Hello, this is Gary Hutchins with the Sunny Slope Church of Christ in Omaha, Nebraska. Welcome to our Sunday morning Bible class. We're podcasting a Bible study every Wednesday night and Sunday morning for those who cannot be with us in person at the Sunny Slope Church of Christ for our Sunday morning and midweek Bible classes. We're thankful to have the opportunity and the ability and the means to be able to do this, to teach God's Word on such a widespread basis through the medium of the internet and by means of these podcasts. We know that some people, they want to be in God's Word, but they just cannot be with us in person, even from the Omaha area, for different reasons. Maybe scheduling, maybe they've got sickness, maybe they've got physical problems, and so they can't be with us in person, even though they're right here in our area. But we know, but we know also that there are many people in other parts of the country and literally around the world who listen to our Bible studies that we podcast. They want to be in God's Word. They want to be under the sound of the Scriptures. They want to understand more fully what God's Word teaches and what it means and what the applications are to their lives. But again, they live in other areas. So again, we're thankful to be able to teach God's Word through these podcasts everywhere where the internet is available. So if you're in the Omaha area, we encourage you to come and check us out at the Sunny Slope Church of Christ, 3606 North 108th Street, 3606 North 108th Street, right here in Omaha. And we encourage you to tell other people you know in your life about these Bible studies, about the congregation, about our podcasting. Tell them to go to our website at churchofchrist.com, churchofchrist.com and click in the podcast button and sign up for our podcasting. It's free. It always will be free. We're not after people's wallets. We want to help people get to heaven. When they sign up for our podcasting, they will automatically receive to their smartphone or computer or whatever smart device they choose, our Sunday morning Bible class, our Wednesday night Bible class, all of our sermons, a Monday through Friday radio program we call Search the Scriptures, and a seven-day-a-week short Bible study that we call today's Bible class. Only about 13 or 14 minutes long usually, but it's every single day keeping us into God's Word, and that's important for our faith because faith comes by hearing the Word of God. Now also share these studies with everybody you can. You can do that through Facebook friends, text messages, and other technological means. But help people in your life grow in their faith by getting them into God's Word, by getting them into these podcast Bible studies. We're going to go back into our study from the book of Judges, and we're in Judges chapter 14, and we're in this rather large section, several chapters, that deal with the life of Samson. I'm not sure, I think probably uh, most people who have much of an inkling of the Bible at all, what it says, they, they know about Samson being this strong man. <laughs> they may know some more particulars about his life than just he was a Bible character and he's a really strong guy, supernaturally strong. But Samson was also a judge over at least a portion of Israel. Now, we've talked about what this what this book of Judges is, 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 you know, laying out for us. It was during a period of time when the Israelites had pretty much conquered the promised land, which became the nation of Israel, but it was divided into 12 sections, one for each of the 12 tribes. And 
they had pretty well conquered the land, but they didn't quite finish completely conquering it and driving out all of the idol-worshiping people that God had warned them and commanded them, you don't have anything to do with them. You don't have any relationships with them. You particularly do not intermarry with them or allow your sons and daughters to intermarry with them because they do not follow me. They do not believe in me. They believe in idols, and idols are just images and statues and carvings and so on, and they worship those as gods, lowercase g. They're not. They're just images. God is the only, the only God. But God said that's their reality. They worship these images, these statues and carvings and sculptures and so on. And if you develop relationships with them, and particularly if you allow your sons and daughters to intermarry with them, they're going to become thorns in your side, and they're going to start influencing you away from me and to start worshiping their idols with them. Well, again, the Israelites basically put the whole land under their rule, but they did not quite finish driving out or destroying all of those idol-worshiping peoples as God had instructed them to do. So over time, exactly what God warned them would happen did happen. And so the people of Israel, the ones whom God raised up to be his people through whose bloodline he would send the Savior into the world, they began more and more to worship idols themselves. And as a result, then God would allow them to be conquered by foreign powers. And then they would come to repentance and God would raise up a leader called a judge who would lead them in a conquest or, or at least battle against those enemies and drive them out and reestablish their independence, their freedom. Well, so they would repent and come back to God, but, but I don't know that they ever came fully back to God during this period of time. It seemed like they still held on to, to some extent, in the background, perhaps, still held on to those idols a whole lot of the time. But they would come back and, and they would be more dedicated to God. Now, maybe I'm not reading that exactly right, but it, they were so wishy-washy. It was so back and forth, up and down. They would come back and, and repent and, and strive to be faithful to God for a period of time, maybe 30 or 40 years. And then another generation would grow up and become the adults in that, in, in that land, and they would get taken in by the idols, and so they would become unfaithful to God. It just went back and forth, back and forth. Well, they, there was no king over the whole land, and a lot of, a lot of this difficulty was not necessarily uh, typical of the whole land of Israel, but again, of different sections of it that were the homes of the different tribes. Now, Samson comes along, and he is going to be used by God as a judge to deliver his people from one of those foreign powers, the Philistines. The Israelites, for hundreds and hundreds of years, struggled with the Philistines seemed like they were a particular thorn in their side. They kept, they kept conquering at least portion, portions of Israel, and then God would raise up a leader, and 
and drive them off, and then they would come back. And again, when you look at, at foreign powers conquering Israel, it was basically almost all of the time because Israel had become less than totally faithful to God. And then God would raise up a leader and drive off the Philistines, but it was not just the Philistines. It was the Ammonites and, and, and on and on, different foreign nations. Now, Samson comes along, and as we read in the introductory section of this account of Samson's life and God using him as a judge, he came along, and from birth, God instructed his his parents, he's to drink no wine, and he's going to be a Nazarite. And the Nazarites, they would not cut their hair, and I believe that even extended to they would not cut their beard. And you say, okay, how long? For life. And that would kind of be an outward sign that they were Nazarites. Now, they're, they're Jewish, but they were of that particular sect or of that particular discipline among the Jewish people. Now, we begin picking up with verse 1 of chapter 14, and we see that even though Samson was used by God to be a judge and ultimately deliver his people, at least to a great extent, from the Philistine bondage, he had his problems. He was he was a, I think we could probably say something of a lustful young man. And God would use him, but Samson kept making big mistakes in his life. Beginning with verse 1, chapter 14. Now, Samson went down to Timnah and saw a woman in Timnah of the daughters of the Philistines. So he went up and told his father and mother, saying, I have seen a woman in Timnah of the daughters of the Philistines. Now, therefore, get her for me as a wife. See, Samson saw this woman. Apparently, she was beautiful. He was really attracted to her, and so he comes back and tells his parents, I want to marry her. Get her for me as a wife. She was a Philistine. God had warned, you don't intermarry with these idol-worshiping peoples. The Philistines were idol worshipers. But you see, even though Samson was to be a judge, he still wanted, he was going to openly disobey God and marry this Philistine woman. Then his father and mother said to him, is there no woman among the daughters of your brethren? In other words, among the daughters of Israel or among all my people? that you must go and get a wife from the uncircumcised Philistines, Gentiles in other words. And Samson said to his father, get her for me, for she pleases me well. Well, uh, remember what John the apostle wrote in 1 John 2, verses 15 through 17? He talks about the lust of the eyes and the lust of the flesh and the pride of life. If that's our focus in life, then we're not walking with God faithfully, dedicated, obediently. He said that those are, those are the pleasures of the world, and the world's going to pass away, he said, in verse 15. Well, Samson is struggling along that line. So he tells his parents, then he tells his father, get her for me, for she pleases me well. But his father and mother did not know that it was of the Lord, that he was seeking an occasion to move against the Philistines, for at that time the Philistines had dominion over Israel. Over Israel. Well, so Samson went down to Timnah, and and that's not saying that God somehow made Samson 
sin against him by being disobedient to him. But God can use situations in people's lives, even while they don't realize it, for his purposes to try to ultimately bring about good. You say, well, what were you talking about? Well, again, God continually raised up or allowed foreign powers who did not believe in him, foreign nations who did not believe in him, to conquer and put into subjection the Israelites, who were supposed to be his people, who were supposed to be his followers. He could use foreign people who did not believe in him to bring judgment upon Israel, who were supposed to believe in him, because of Israel's unfaithfulness to him. Then he again, as Israel would come to repentance, he would raise up leaders for them to drive off those particular enemies that he had used as instruments of judgment upon Israel. So in verse 5, so Samson went down to Timnah with his father and mother and came to the vineyards of Timnah. Now to his surprise, a young lion came roaring against him, and the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon him, and he tore the lion apart as one would have torn apart a young goat, though he had nothing in his hand. But he did not tell his father or his mother what he had done. And so here is what, I, what I've described as the supernatural power of Samson that God would bless him with to be able to ultimately bring judgment upon the Philistines and deliver his people from their, from their uh, bondage. In verse 7, then he went down and talked with the woman, and she pleased Samson well. After some time, when he returned to get her, he turned aside to see the carcass of the lion, and behold, a swarm of bees and honey were in the carcass of the lion. He took some of it in his hands and went along eating. When he came to his father and mother, he gave some to them, and they also ate. But he did not tell them that he had taken it, that he had taken the honey out of the carcass of the lion. So only Samson knew what had happened with that lion. Nobody had seen him kill that lion and tear it apart. He kind of kept it to himself. So his father went down to the woman, and Samson gave a feast there for young men, for young men used to do so. And it happened when they saw him that they brought 30 companions to be with him. Then Samson said to them, let me pose a riddle to you. And here's where perhaps Samson was being rather arrogant and careless. He says, let me pose a riddle to you. If you can correctly solve and explain it to me within the seven days of the feast, so this feast was going to go on for seven days, then I will give you 30 linen garments and 30 changes of clothing. But if you cannot explain it to me, then you shall give me 30 linen garments and 30 changes of clothing. And they said to him, pose your riddle that we may hear it. So he said to them, out of the eater came something to eat, and out of the strong came something sweet. Now for three days, they could not explain the riddle. But it came to pass on the seventh day that they said to Samson's wife, entice your husband that he may explain the riddle to us or else we will burn you and your father's house with fire. Have you, have you invited us in order to take part, in order to take what is ours? Is that not so? 
And so the young men Samson had invited basically to his wedding feast, the party that was going to go on for seven days, they could not answer his riddle. They could not solve it. They could not answer him as to what it meant. And so finally they threatened his bride-to-be, tell us, you entice him, get him to tell you what the riddle is, and then you pass it on to us. And uh, if you don't do that, we're going to burn down your, your, yours and your father's house. Well, you know, intimidation, threat to violence. Now, for three days, they could not explain. Now, drop down to verse 16. Then Samson's wife wept on him and said, you only hate me. You do not love me. You have posed a riddle to the sons of my people, but you have not explained it to me. And so she was working on his emotions in response to the threat that these young men had made to her. He said to her, look, I have not explained it to my father or my mother. Nobody knows. So should I explain it to you? Now she had wept on him the seven days while their feast lasted. And it happened on the seventh day that he told her because she pressed him so much. Then she explained it. She explained the riddle to the sons of her people. So the men of the city said to him, on the seventh day before the sun went down, so it's the last day before nightfall, they explained the riddle to him. What is sweeter than honey? And what is stronger than a lion? And he said to them, if you had not plowed with my heifer, you would not have solved my riddle. Now, Samson understood quickly. He calculated. She's been working on my emotions. She's been crying. She's been accusing me of hating her and not loving her because I won't tell her the riddle. I've tried to tell her. I didn't even tell it to anybody, not even my father and mother. But he finally told her. And then quickly, she tells it to the young men who, with whom Samson had made basically you know, a bet, you might say, a challenge. And so they explain it to him. And Samson quickly calculates and realizes, uh, you got this from my wife-to-be. You did not solve this on your own. Verse 19, then the Spirit of the Lord came upon him mightily, and he went down to Ashkelon and killed 30 of their men, Ashkelon being a city of the Philistines, took their apparel and gave the changes of clothing to those who had explained the riddle. So his anger was aroused, and he went back up to his father's house, and Samson's wife was given to his companion, who had been his best man. So he leaves. His wife is given to another man, who was supposed to be Samson's best man. He went and killed 30 Philistine men and took their clothing and gave those, that, that clothing to those with whom he had basically made the challenge or the bet, if you want to think of it that way. And Samson did not enjoy marriage to that woman that he wanted who had come from the Philistines. We'll pick up with chapter 15 and start to see. Now again, God is using Samson to bring judgment upon the Philistines and deliver Israel from their bondage. We'll go on with chapter 15 next time. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for, again, giving us the instructions that you give us in your word and including in your word by way of illustration or maybe just lessons, the examples of people living in the times that your word was written, talking about 
In some cases, their faithfulness to you and dedication to you. In other cases, their lack of faithfulness and the problems that that lack of faithfulness caused in their lives. Help us, Father, to learn the lessons that you want us to learn from these accounts and to make the proper application to our lives. Help us to be strong in faithfulness to you and to guard against always becoming weak in our faith and faithfulness. Help us to be mighty examples to people around us, a faithful dedication and commitment to you and the blessings that you bestow upon us as we live faithfully before you. Please, Father, we pray. Please, Father, forgive us of our sins, and please hear our prayer. In Jesus' name, amen.